Tere, and welcome to History of Estonia podcast, episode 38, The Period of Silence. I am your host, William Parsley, or how I sometimes like to refer to myself as William of Clermont. In this episode, we cover the pre-war era in Estonia. A national emergency is declared, and the president of Estonia becomes head of government through a coup d'etat and rules through decrees, while the parliament only works on topics of secondary importance. Estonia is reported to have followed the model of government created in fascist Italy. The Period of Silence The huge popularity of the League of Veterans allowed it to predict that it would win the parliamentary and presidential elections. To prevent the veterans coming to power and gaining control, presidential candidates Konstantin Patz and Johann Leidener decided to stage a coup d'etat. On the afternoon of the 12th of March, 1934, the Military Academy and the Estonian Defense League took the center of Tallinn and Tampia under their control and surrounded the buildings belonging to the veterans. The officials of the political police carried out a thorough search and arrested everybody present. Simultaneously, members of the League of Veterans were arrested all over the country. Altogether, 400 people were jailed. In the evening, the government, following a request by Konstantin Petz, introduced a state of national emergency and appointed General Leidener Commander-in-Chief. The new commander disbanded the organizations of the veterans and forbade political meetings and demonstrations. The reason given for all these measures was the alleged violent plans of the veterans to seize power. Another excuse was the, quoting here, mental disease of the Estonian people caused by the propaganda of veterans and not allowing the people to be considered the supreme power anymore. Subsequently, the elections were postponed until the end of the state of national emergency. The mandates of the veterans and local governments were canceled. Simultaneously, a purge was carried out in the state of bureaucracy, and the earlier attitude of the people to the veterans became decisive. Beside the members of the League of Veterans, all people who were not personally acceptable to the new leaders were sacked. As Parliament went into summer holidays, all legislative powers was concentrated in the hands of the government. To improve legislation, decrees of the head of state were issued. The approval of Parliament was not even asked for. The period of silence begins. In the autumn of 1934, Konstantin Patz and Johann Leidener started to reinforce their power. To start with, they appointed Karl Einbund as Deputy Prime Minister and Interior Minister. Karl Einbund who lived from 1888 to 1942, 
from 1935 known as Karl Einpalu came from the Tartu region. He was a farmer's son. He graduated from the Faculty of Law at Tartu University and participated as an officer in the First World War and in the War of Independence. Thereafter, he repeatedly held the post of Interior Minister and was also a Rigivanum and a speaker of the Rigi Kogu. Being a capable administrator, Einbund became the third key figure after Petz and Leidener in defining the political direction of Estonia during the period of silence. In September, the state of national emergency was extended for one more year. This automatically postponed the presidential and parliamentary elections. When the Rigikogu, which reassembled in the autumn after their holidays, dared to criticize the steps taken by the government, the parliament sitting was canceled by Einbund on the 2nd of October. The members of parliament left for their homes in different parts of Estonia and were never allowed to assemble again. Officially, the Rigikogu was never dissolved. It just remained, air quotes, in silence. In the spring of 1935, the activity of political parties was forbidden. Instead of them, the Fatherland Union was founded, which became the only party in Estonia and was directed by the government. Following the example of Italy, corporations were established which had to unite all representatives of the same field of life and to mediate their thoughts and wishes to the government. Sixteen corporations were formed, including those for agriculture, advisors, doctors, and teachers, as well as landlords, domestic work, and cooperative corporations. Censorship was imposed which meant the final shutting down of the opposition. Information approved by the government was distributed to the media by the National Propaganda Service. This also promoted so-called national integrity, organizing various campaigns, such as translating foreign names into Estonian. Before this campaign, very many Estonians had German surnames and even first names something called home embellishment, and obtaining national flags and so forth. State control over different fields of life was established, such as trade union movement, youth organizations, and local governments. By the end of 1935, the democratic order had been replaced by authoritarian dictatorship. The core of the opposition was formed by members of the former Smallholders Association and National Center Party. In addition, an opposition policy was followed by the left-wing socialists. The right wing of the Estonian Socialist Workers' Party cooperated with the government. Any manifestation of life by the opposition was complicated. Political activity and formation of an organization could not be considered. The authorities closed down the smallholders' newspaper, the Ma Let, or Rural Daily, 
the center of opposition in Tartu, the daily postimace, passed into the government's custody. The interior minister received power to restrict people's rights of movement without judicial decision. Attempts were made to bribe opposition figures by offering them well-paid positions in public offices. The opposition gathered new strength in the summer of 1935, when the veterans were released. In court, nobody even tried to prove the former accusations of planning a coup d'etat were true. The leaders of the veterans were put on probation for their activity that had endangered public order. The veterans became very active. They openly criticized the unlawful activity of the government and demanded restoration of the democratic regime. To be able to liquidate the veteran movement, the political police staged an attempted coup d'etat. On the night of 8th of December, 1935, the leaders of the freedom fighters were arrested at a meeting, which was claimed to have discussed plans for an armed uprising the following day. The trial that followed sentenced 133 people to jail for a total of 1,163 years. The people were told a story, which caused the veterans to lose their popularity. After the veterans had been neutralized, the main center of opposition was Tartu, which was the meeting place for the liberal intelligentsia. The Tartu spirit became a synonym for the fight against dictatorship. The efforts of the government to suffocate the opposition were not entirely fruitful. At the beginning of 1936, Constantine Petz announced the time had arrived to return to normal, which required working out a new constitution. In February, a referendum was held in which the people gave the president the right to assemble a national assembly, which would draft a new constitution. As the opposition boycotted the elections, the National Assembly, which assembled in February 1937, became a body loyal to the government. Therefore, the Constitution ratified on the 1st of January 1937 met all the expectations of Pets. According to this Constitution, the head of the Estonian Republic was a president elected by popular vote for six years. The Rigikogu was divided into two chambers. The 80 members of the lower chamber or state assembly were elected by popular vote. Of the 40 members of the higher chamber or state council, some were elected by the corporations. Some were members of something called ex officio and some were appointed by the president. The government of the republic, headed by a prime minister, was appointed by the president, based on his confidence in them. If the Rigikogu passed a vote of no confidence in the government, the president would have two options, either to replace the government or to dissolve the parliament and announce early elections. The people had lost their right of a popular initiative. 
the age limit for those entitled to vote was increased from 20 to 22 years of age. The author refers to this period as a tractable democracy, which means a democracy that's easy to influence. The election to the state assembly were combined with the celebrations of the 20th anniversary of the Estonian Republic. On the initiative of the Fatherland Union and National Propaganda Service, the Popular Front, in support of the Constitution, was founded. It put up 80 candidates loyal to the government, one candidate per constituency. Although the opposition was split and forced to be passive, its candidates received 238,000 votes against the 208,000 votes received by the Popular Front. But due to the principle of majority election, only 16 opposition candidates made it to the state council. As both chambers of parliament and the representatives of the local governments put up only one presidential candidate, the popular vote did not take place. In April 1938, Konstantin Potts was installed as the first president of the Estonian Republic. A couple of days later, a new government took office. The prime minister was Karl Enpalu, and Johann Leidener was commander-in-chief. As the head of the government, Karl Enpalu began to carry out so-called tractable democracy. The state of national emergency still existed. Political organizations were forbidden. Printed matter was still censored, and centralization of power increased. There was an attempt to turn the Rigikogu into a formal legislative body. The parliament was allowed to work only with laws on, of secondary importance. The more essential legislation was issued in the form of presidential decrees, a reversal from authoritarian dictatorship to dem democratic government did not seem possible in the near future. In 1934, rapid economic development began in Estonia. Soon, the pre-depression level was achieved and surpassed. This became possible owing to the favorable world economic situation. Interference of the state and economic processes arose as a new phenomenon, characteristic of the period of silence. This was in the form of regulating the private economy through tax, price, and credit policies. Several councils and institutes were established for registration of economic resources, research on natural resources, and modernizing of production processes. The share of the state in the national economy grew, and a state joint stock companies contributed up to 25% of the Estonian industrial production. Industry went through an especially rapid development. The number of industrial enterprises grew and their equipment improved. The number of industrial workers rose to the First World War level. But this time, it was not due to the huge military factories. Estonia was about to turn from an agrarian country into an industrial country. In agriculture, development was indicated 
by an increase in the area of arable land, wider use of soil improvements, fertilization of the fields, an increase in the number of animals, breeds, breed improvements, and plant breeding, the cooperative movement played a continuously important role in rural areas. The number of cooperatives involved in all types of machinery, dairy products, potatoes, eggs, and dairy herd testing kept increasing. Electricity arrived in rural regions. The main foreign trade partners were Great Britain and Germany, followed by considerably more minor partners in Finland, Sweden, and Latvia. Among Estonian exports, agricultural production was in first place, with butter, bacon, and eggs. Timber and industrial production like textile, paper, and shale oils followed. Among the main imports were industrial equipment and chemical products, as well as raw materials such as iron, coal, oil products, and cotton. At the end of the 1930s, unemployment was eliminated. The income of the people increased and the cost of living decreased. Living standards in Estonia exceeded those of several southern and eastern European countries, including Latvia and Lithuania, but fell far behind the developed industrialized countries. Estonia had completely integrated with the economic space of Europe and continued rapid development considering the means available to it. And that is where we will leave our timeline of events laid out for us in the book History of Estonia, published in 1997 for now. When we meet next time, we will cover foreign policy in the pre-war era. So until next time, Nagamiseni.